What is up and welcome back to Zen Business, the show that studies health and mindfulness habits that ultra high performers use to reach the top of their industry and their craft. I'm your host, Jonathan Maxim, Managing Director at K&J Growth Hackers and founder of five digital companies. We've grown these companies to great levels and created an exciting and fulfilling life for our team members, but the truth is it was much more challenging than we ever could have imagined. All right, now let's jump in. Okay, what is up and welcome back to Zen Business. So today I'm gonna to talk about how I made my first million. Now, I think before we jump into this, first I wanna address some quick things. So first things first, I think a lot of people think of making a million dollars as a life goal, like an end point, but I really see it as a starting point. You really haven't gotten started with your success career until you've hit this point. And I'll explain why. But before I do, first things first before that is that I think a lot of people also think of this as like a vain topic to talk about money or that that it's crass or it's, you know, out of taste. And the truth is, is like because of inflation and just the how competitive things have become, it's you, you really can't even you, you can't live like especially in L.A., you can't get a house for under a million dollars. Right. So it really just becomes the point where you can like, you know, build a, a home for you and your family, right? So that's really why I see it as more of a starting point and why I also don't see it as a crass topic because it's like everyone needs to pursue their purpose and fulfill on that purpose. And within that pursuit, they will likely make a lot of money and that's completely okay. And money is a means of doing good or in some cases doing bad. But at the end of the day, it's about the, the character of the person who has it. It's not about how much money they have. It's really about how they use it, whether they're going to use it for good or bad. So we'll go into that a little bit more. But um, I want to touch on this one component before we dive in deeper, which is thinking of as uh, an endpoint versus a starting point. So, you know, me being 35 years old, like I want to buy a home to have house a family and have kids and all that kind of stuff. In L.A., you, you get about a two bed, two bath for a million dollars these days. So really like from a, a logistical perspective, you need to have a, basically that level of net worth to have a decent lifestyle, at least in any big city like New York or Miami or LA. So that's what I would consider a necessity. And then secondarily, in the business world, in the, in the realm of my experience, life really began after we hit the million dollar mark. Why? Because I had learned all the valuable lessons. I had spent about three, four years, you know, nose to the grindstone running K&J Growth Hackers, before it actually became what I would consider a business that had momentum and stride, it, it really kind of found its place. So all of the all of the mature state of the business happened after that tipping point. So I'll go into that more, but I wanted to just address that before we dive in too deep. So there's a couple quotes that I, I wanna share. One is, uh, luck comes when preparation meets opportunity. So. You're not gonna have big opportunities until you've one, prepared for it, and two, are ready to take on that opportunity. And that's a big theme in my story of, of making our first mill. And then secondarily, according to ABC News, 62% of people who are millionaires don't feel like they're rich. Now, that goes back to my first point about it being a starting point, not an end point, but the fact that people don't feel rich when they have a million dollars should be a sign for you that one, it's not going to bring you happiness. Two, it's not going to necessarily bring you all the things that you want. And three, you're probably not going to feel rich once you make a million. That's why a lot of people keep pursuing it after they make their money. 
So again, it's not an endpoint. It's really a starting point. And that'll make sense once you've hit that, that, that place in your life. And then you'll take on bigger challenges, bigger pursuits, and you'll really enter a new world of life experience. And that's really what's beautiful to me because it, it takes you out of the scarce, I'm, I'm in need state of mind and state of decision-making to an abundant, powerful, self-guided position. And so that's really where we want to get you to. And having a million-dollar portfolio will obviously help with that. So let's jump in. So there were kind of three big milestones that happened that helped us break the million-dollar mark. And I think the most important one is that we have been working on KJ Growth Hackers for four years before we really got like a big break or got lucky, I would say. We had been doing a lot of PR. I had been writing for Forbes and Entrepreneur and Influentive and all these publications. Had also been doing SEO work and our, our company's website domain actually had a lot of domain authority. And that's ultimately what led us to getting TikTok as a client, which is what was our breakout moment here. So that was a lot of compounded experience and reputation and good referrals and things like that that actually brought big opportunity to our doorstep. I didn't even have to go and prospect to this one client, TikTok, the ByteDance. They came to us. The reason that happened is because we had created a lot of attraction to our brand. We had created a good reputation and had a, you know, a good name in the streets, if you will. So one part of it is we got a big client and they brought us $760,000 in revenue in under six months. And we were doing like 400,000 in revenue a year at the time. So they put us over the tipping point. But I couldn't have worked on that kind of client or that kind of campaign unless I was prepared for it. First of all, you have to have the scale to support a $760,000 budget. So do you have staff? Do you have infrastructure? Do you have the services? Do you have the legal protection? Like I had to get all kinds of legal protection just to work with TikTok. I had needed a million dollar insurance policy just to get a, a master service agreement signed with them. So a lot of people don't think about these kind of logistical things that you need to prepare for to actually take on that kind of responsibility. Because there's another quote that I love, which goes, the universe gives you as much money as you can handle at that time. So you really have to be prepared to manage a million dollar budget if you want somebody to write you a check for a million dollars. And so all of these years of you know late nights and nose to the grindstone hustle and just active learning and just doing the best that we possibly can, that really sets the stage for having a big breakout moment. And, you know, in the finance world, they call that the accumulation phase when the bears and the bulls or the buyers and the sellers are going back and forth, you know, and the charts going like this. And then eventually one of them breaks out and, you know, there's a big rush of buyers and then the stock price goes way up. That's called a, an accumulation. And that's really what happens in a lot of careers too. You're, you're having a lot of downfalls and wins and downfalls and wins, and they eventually start to normalize a little bit. And then at one moment you hit a lucky opportunity and you really break out. So I'm going to tell you how that happened. Um, so basically TikTok from Beijing Googled growth hackers, Los Angeles, and we happened to be number one on Google for that term. Why? Because we had done a lot of time and money into the SEO aspect, actually more just time, not even money, but we ranked number one for that search term when they Googled it. So they reached out to us. They just used the contact form on our website and then told us that they were with ByteDance and they wanted to have us, you know, scope out a project for them. So that was a freaking wild experience to like look at ByteDance because everything was in Chinese on the email. I couldn't like figure out what the company was and I almost thought it was spam. And then I dug into a little bit more and saw that it was TikTok and I was like, oh man, need to actually put some real thought into this, this pitch. 
because it was the first time we'd ever worked with a client that large. So we went through, we asked them what their needs were. We looked at their budget and uh, kind of like came up with a basic plan for how to get it done. And they told us they needed 22,000 installs in a month to their app for downloads. And they said they were willing to pay 10 to $20 per download. And so of course, right there, you got a $220,000 budget. And so I had, at the time I had only pitched contracts that were max of like $20,000 budgets. So to ask for 220,000 was definitely scary. So that's another important part of, of making it happen is one you have to ask, you have to ask for the budget you need. And if you tell them that's what it takes to get it done and they trust you, then that's what the budget you get is. I could have probably asked for 25 grand and gotten that amount. So it was really important that I asked for the, the big budget that I needed to actually get this project done. We asked for the budget, we get it approved. And another really important thing of why we were able to move from $20,000 contracts to $200,000 a month contracts was because we moved to a performance basis for that contract, meaning we got paid based on the success. We got paid based on the results that we delivered, not so much on like widgets. Like for example, we'll make you this video and we'll launch an ad campaign. Those are all widgets, right? So you're just selling things basically at a commodity price like that. Whereas if you say, hey, I will generate 200,000 downloads or 20,000 downloads. And if I do at this price, you give me 10 bucks each or you give me $20 each. And so that was the difference instead of paying for the actual labor to build the campaign, they were paying for an outcome that was much more valuable to them. And that's generally how it works in business and in life. People aren't here to have, they don't care about you building a Facebook campaign. What they care about is you getting them the outcome that they want, their dream outcome as Alex Hormozzi puts it. So by moving to the dream outcome type of budgeting where we said, we'll get you 20,000 downloads and it'll cost you 10 bucks each and it'll be $200,000. They said, okay, if you can do that, then be my guest. And we came to find out that there are five other agencies that bidded on this contract. And some of them were bigger than us. Uh, I think we were actually the smallest. <laughs> I reverse searched on the Google document that they shared with me. And I looked at the other emails that had been shared to that Google doc. And I looked at their domains and found which of my competitors was working on this project. One of them happened to be a company that had an office next door to ours. So, and they had like a thousand employees and we ended up eating their lunch right off of their plate, which was pretty fun. But anyway, so they give us this budget and all the different uh, marketing agencies that are working on this project have a similar budget, $200,000, $300,000 in a month. One company had only pitched 50,000 and that's all they got was 50,000. By one month into this engagement, Three of the agencies had refunded the money. One of them was in default because they were not getting the results and then there was us. So one month in, all, all of the other companies had basically failed. The fourth company eventually refunded the money once TikTok asked for it. Why? Because it was a hard project. And that's why it's important that like, when opportunity meets preparation, that's when luck happens, right? So you have to actually be prepared and be ready to do that kind of project. That they wanted basically the equivalent of six months of marketing services in one month. And we took a risk and we, we said, we'll do it. But here's the, the details that they don't tell you. And now I'm gonna tell you because I like to keep it authentic on this show. They had a three month net payment terms, right? Meaning after we finished the campaign, they were gonna wait three months to pay us. And because we didn't have any liquidity as a company, I mean, we had a little bit, but not enough to run like a $200,000 budget a month. I mean, if our costs are 50%, that would be a $100,000 investment on our part for three months. And we just couldn't do that. So we said, look, we can only do this on net zero terms, meaning you have to pay us upfront. 
And we went back and forth with their CFO and their finance department and stuff. And they eventually said, okay, we'll do it, but it's going to take us two weeks to actually submit the payment. And now we're feeling very nervous because it's like, okay, we're going to ask for $125,000 up front. And we don't even know what we're doing with this campaign. We don't know how to get it done. They have way bigger lawyers than us. They have way more infrastructure. They could sue us and turn us upside down if they wanted to. And they just made us get a million dollars of liability insurance. So we're actually freaking out because we're like, wow, they have clearly had agencies fail in the past and needed to use that insurance policy to get their money back. So we were really afraid of getting sued or something like that. So we started the campaign. We launched nine different marketing channels from, we did everything from having college professors have their class do a, a TikTok dance. We did a challenge. It was called the, we had one that was like a foodie challenge. Another was a dance challenge, you know, like the, the old TikTok era. And, um, so we got these nine different campaigns launched, Facebook ads, Google ads, uh, programmatic app install campaigns. We worked with salons and barbers and chefs and all these different industries. And it was a lot of work to build nine campaigns in a month. I mean, think about it. Normally we do one to th maybe three campaigns in a month. We had to do nine in two weeks and then have the results in within 30 days. Cause remember they wanted all the results within 30 days. So we built all these campaigns and we spent $50,000 on media. Now that was ads, influencer posting, email marketing, all these different channels. So we put $50,000 out of our own pocket to get them the results, programmatic media buys and all kinds of stuff. On day 28, we have 400 installs. We needed 22,500. So we were $50,000 in the hole. We had delivered like 1% of the deliverable that we had promised and then they start asking questions and they're like, what's the deal? I thought you guys were going to reach this result on day 30. You know, we're two days away. What's, you know, what's the deal? What's going to happen? And at that time we asked them about the other agencies and they're like, all the other agencies are failing. They're not hitting it. But if you guys can hit it, we promise we're going to give you guys more work. We'll give you the budget we we're going to give to them. So me and Kale stayed up super late on a Sunday night and you know, it was pretty much every night for us cause they're in Beijing. So like at like 2 AM it's their 10 AM, something like that. So all of our calls are happening around midnight, 2 AM. And of course we're not sleeping much. We're working our asses off trying to get this campaign built and we're not getting any results. We're $50,000 in the hole. I remember texting Kale a screenshot of our bank account and we had like $245 in our checking. And that was the moment where I realized this was do or die. If I get this right, I'm going to make a million bucks. If I get this wrong, I'm going to be out $50,000 and probably be in a lawsuit. And so that was a really critical moment. And I, I recorded a little video journal in that moment just so I could relive those emotions. And it's been really fascinating to rewatch it from time to time. But we're on the phone with the client and we're pleading with them because we're like, look, just give us, you know, five more days, seven more days. We promise we'll make it happen. And we were applying all of our expertise to this. We had scaled up to 30 people on our influencer division from what was one person before we started this project. So we hired and scaled to 30 new people in like two weeks, got this campaign launched, and we were still not getting results. Well, we came to find out that all the influencers, we had hired 200 influencers. So in addition to recruiting 30 people for the project itself, we had also interviewed and recruited 200 influencers and fan pages from like Instagram and stuff. And we came to find out that TikTok had already paid and worked with most of those influencers. Meaning when we posted on their pages, 
they weren't getting any results because they had already squeezed the audience dry. Everyone who wanted to download TikTok already had TikTok. And so all the influencer posts we were doing were getting basically zero results. Our cost per install was like 120 bucks and we needed it to be at like $5 to be profitable because we were selling it for $10. So we're in this pickle, right? We basically owe them $50,000. We spent it. We don't have the money to really scale this campaign anymore. And we just stay up super late one night and we are whiteboarding and trying to figure out what we're going to do. And we have a breakthrough. We come up with the idea of sending direct messages from the influencer profiles to their fans because at the time, Facebook had just rolled out their new algorithm and it went from pages getting like 80% reach to their audience to getting like 5%. So we needed a way to reach the rest of their audience that these influencers weren't reaching through their Instagram stories because the reach had gone down so much. So we resolved to do the direct messaging. So we found a software, we found a white label software that did automatic direct messages. And we logged into all 200 of the influencer profiles. And then we just threw shit to the wind and we pressed go. We, we made a text message that said, or a, a DM on Instagram that said, hey, at Jonathan, I just posted a new video uh, and it's going viral on this platform called TikTok. If you wanna check it out, click the link and see. And so we would deep link it to the actual video and so because TikTok was a newer platform at the time, this was in 2019, people were super fascinated by it. And the click-through rate came out to be like 35%. Most campaigns have like a 1.5% click-through rate. 35% was freaking unheard of. And we sent out 100,000 direct messages that night to 100 different influencers' fans. So overnight, we got 18,000 downloads, 18,500 in total. So we went from being $50,000 in debt to making $180,000 in results overnight. And we were like, oh shit. <laughs> and at that moment, we we're like, wow, we just had a huge breakthrough. So we you know, wanted to make sure it wasn't like spam data or like fake users or anything like that. So we're like really actively looking through all the data and then the client starts hitting us up saying, hey, the results are looking really good. They're getting all excited about things. And that was between the moment where we had asked for a five-day extension and the end of those five days, it happened around like day three. And so with two days left in the campaign, we now had 19,000 downloads and we were just about at our goal of 22,000. So over the next few days, we launched a few more campaigns of, of direct messages and got over the line to 22,500. And of course they released the $225,000 budget and we ended up making a hundred thousand dollar profit on just that one campaign. So that was uh, a, a gripping and scary experience we almost lost all of our money in it and we also put our, our name and our our whole company on the line i mean if if we had gone upside down like 15 employees would have been out of jobs including us so we really had to take a big risk to make it happen and i think you know i probably had to work harder than most people to to have that breakout moment i, I feel like i have done more manual work than i should have i probably should have worked smarter not harder but at the end of the day, you really can't lose if you're working hard. And that's what we were doing. And we eventually got to the outcome. We eventually got the result. And so TikTok resigned with us. They went from doing 220K a month with us to doing 450K the next month with us. And so in the course of the next few months, we did $750,000 in revenue with them. And combined with the about 500,000 that K&J was already doing at the time in my division, we broke the million dollar mark. And we, because the campaigns got more efficient and we were still charging the same price per unit, as we increased our efficiency, as we reduced our costs, our margin went from like 50% to like 70, 80%.
So we made a huge amount of money in a very short time by working on that. And so that is really what it looks like in the trenches. That's, that's the story that people don't tell you when they're talking about making their first million. And I think people can make their first million in all kinds of ways. I mean, a lot of people will just work for a, a startup tech company, tech company IPOs, and they have some shares in it. You know, they make a few hundred thousand dollars or maybe a few million dollars. I see that happen all the time. Other people maybe uh, sold a business that they've been working on three years. So there's a lot of ways to get there. Even as an employee, you can, you can get there, especially if you have shares in the company. So I, I don't think a lot of people think about that. And I think that's why a lot of people don't think that they're rich, even when they have you know, seven figures in net worth. So I think to, to people out there who are on this pursuit and looking to get to the million dollar mark, there, there's a few key milestones in my journey that I think, you know, can be learned from so that you don't have to scrape your knees the same way that I did. But the most important things are one, you have to have the actual capability to deliver a million dollars in value. Two, you have to have like the staff and systems and infrastructure and insurance to do a million dollar transaction. Three, you need to be willing to take massive risk. I mean, we put our whole company on the line to work with this this client. And, you know, I don't think it was anything especially noble. I think anyone who would have seen that big of an opportunity would have taken it. But at the end of the day, I mean, we almost lost everything. We were $50,000 in the hole looking at a lawsuit if we didn't deliver on that remaining, you know, $150,000 worth of value. Next, you have to really be thinking about the person who's paying you, right? The, again, they're looking for an outcome, right? So if you're delivering their dream outcome, that's more important than doing a hundred different little tasks or projects. And so going performance basis, being willing to take a risk and say, I'm not going to get paid unless I reach the outcome. It creates a psychological connection to that outcome. And then you begin to manifest that outcome because you have no other choice. You start living as if that's the only way out of it because it really is. And it creates a great accountability structure for you, the person who is responsible for delivering that value. So no matter where you're at in life and no matter what your business stage is at, businesses can make a million within a month. And in, I think in another podcast that I did like last week or something, I was talking about a new company that we launched that got to $200,000 in its first month in revenue. It took K&J four months to get to that. It took our new company, Earnflow, only four weeks to get to that. So it really goes to show you that when you compound all of that experience and expertise and reputation and all of the value creation that you have compounded over the years and then you hone it into one specific business, the outcomes can be huge. That other company, Earnflow, is on target for a million dollars in its first three months in business. So that's after we made our first million with K&J, then everything else was way easier. And I know everybody says that, you know, your first million is always the hardest, but it, it really is true. And when we applied those principles to this new business, we're reaching that same benchmark within a month. And it's all because we were designing for this efficiency and designing for this scale right from the beginning. Just like I said, you can't get a million dollar check unless you can deliver a million dollars in value, right? So once you build up that amount of experience and the right service set and the right team and the infrastructure, then when the opportunity approaches you, you can actually take advantage of it and you can like deliver on that. And that's exactly what we did with Earnflow. So we, you know, instead of serving 10 different clients, 10 different campaigns, we now have one campaign that serves 10 clients and they all feed off of it, meaning we don't have to launch a new campaign for every client. We don't have to launch new creatives and new graphics and new videos and pixels and copywriting and so on. 
you know, after, after you reach that, that really important milestone in your own life, whether you're starting a business or whether you're an employee, your, your mindset will, will shift from how do, how do I get this done to who can get this done for me? It will shift from how do I build a business that can do 10 million in revenue instead of 1 million? And that's the way you start thinking. I, I think Elon Musk is the best example of somebody who thinks about what dream outcome he wants and how to get there, right? So if he wants to launch a rocket to the moon, then he starts thinking, okay, what would I need to make that happen? And that's what he designs a business off of. If he had just said, how do I get a, a rocket, you know, hundred feet up in the air, his solution would have been much different. So once you break through that glass ceiling in your mind and those limiting beliefs, then the world expands for you and you can think about a much larger perspective. And somebody who's 25 years old could design a business like I just did if they just started thinking with that way in the in the first place. It's, it's really a lesson in thinking bigger and being willing to take risks that are gonna put your name and your pocketbook and other things on the line. And I was, I was listening to another podcast with Brad Lee today and he was saying that, um, Every, the, the people with the most money have been screwed over the hardest. His, his richest friends have gotten screwed over the most times for the most amount of money. And so it really speaks to the amount of risk that you're willing to take on. Are you willing to go in, all in on crypto? I had a friend who put $25,000 into Ethereum when it was like $200. And like two years later, he had like two, two and a half million off of that. So it really just depends how big you're willing to go and, and how much you're willing to risk and lose. And you, you also realize, especially in my journey, you know, when, when we started making that kind of money, we just reinvested it all. I mean, there was only a fraction that went to lifestyle stuff. Everything else, we reinvested in the new business. We reinvested in other ventures. We invested in crypto projects. We invested in stocks and real estate and all this stuff. So it's not like you're walking around with a million dollars in your pocketbook. You don't want to be doing that because your money's going to be losing value anyway. It's much better to have that money at work. And that's part of what makes the journey fun is you're always in pursuit because you're always trying to turn those investments into positive outcomes. And that's what keeps it exciting and fun for you and keeps you out of the mindset of just being vain and just doing hedonistic things like buying cars and houses and stuff like that. That stuff should be done only once you're like way out of the league rather than you know writing a check for your whole net worth to buy a home or something. So that's the story of how I made my first million. I hope it could inspire you to do something similar. And I've got faith that everybody listening can do it if they start approaching it from the right perspective, if they remove those limiting beliefs and they think about, if I wanted to make a million dollars, what are the ways that I would do it? And that's really your starting point. All right, I hope you enjoyed the show. I'll see you next time. Cheers.